I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hey, Kieran. Hey, Eve. We're back. Yep. Are we? Are, are you sure we're back? <laughs> we appear to be. Whether okay. or not that's actual. His... I just need nothing else to blow up for like one week so I can catch up on, on sleep. Yeah, yeah, same. Same. That would be lovely. I would I would be able to function again. It'd be great. Of course, that, that assumes that my body will let me sleep. Right. But, you know, it's fine. Little details. Um, yeah, minor. Yeah. So, um, hey, y'all. We missed a week because uh, last Sunday we were going to record and, and we were debating about recording Sunday or Monday because of the holiday. And then I realized I had an opportunity to um, join a good friend, Robert Evans, who's been a guest on here before and who does the podcasts Behind the Bastards and Worst Year Ever. He was going to go cover the Richmond gun rights rally with the two A'ers, the Second Amendment activists who were going to show up for the annual lobby day in Richmond. And I had been debating going because... I had the day off. It's my city. I live three hours away. It's not that far for me to just drive out. Uh, And as soon as I knew he was going, I knew I would be with someone I felt safe with Mm -hmm. and who, you know, in a pinch, you know, could protect me or whatever. And so I felt a lot more comfortable about that and decided to go. So, uh, and he he and I have done this before. We covered the Unite the Right 2.0 in D.C. together. If you go listen to the Behind the Bastards podcast about that day, I'm I'm on there. And that was really intense. And so this was the second time we'd collaborated to, to try to see what was happening. And it was, you know, I used to work right down there in Richmond where it all happened. So my first job in like the publishing world was an internship in Shaco Slip. So I was pretty close to right where it all was um, for that job. And then the last job I had before Peace Corps, I was temping at the Virginia um, Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals for the Supreme Court in Virginia. And just doing like filing stuff. But I was, you know, next door to where all this was happening. So it was just really weird to like be in these familiar streets with those like entirely different environment and moment and like just the mood of everything was just so intense yeah how did it go um yes how did it go well um we're gonna put up a link in the show notes to the write-up i did for vice um which was originally i mean i told the story a little bit on twitter if you're following along but like it was originally commissioned by another outlet and I'll tell you guys here without, like, naming and shaming because, like, it, it, it all worked out fine. But it was a commission by the Washington Post. The editor there liked my pitch, and we decided to write it on spec, which means, like, I write it unpaid and send the draft in, and then they decide if they're going to take it or not. But it was basically an invitation to write for them. Mm-hmm. And I've done this before a couple times, and it has... You know, one time it did work out, and it hasn't a couple other times. But that's kind of normal. Like, news changes fast, and so, like, the space that they'll have for things changes fast, or, like, the turnaround time is 
weird or something else will come up and like completely blow everything out of the water. So that's fine. But by the time we wrote it the next, the day after, because I, I drove out Sunday, was there all day Monday, drove back Monday, taught Tuesday morning, and then wrote the article mm-hmm. in the afternoon. And so it was already a day behind. And so I, you know, was was hitting this wall of like, it has to run now or never. Right. And so the editor there was like, this is good, but... They would want to do some revisions on it if they're going to take it. And we don't have time. So see if you can get it elsewhere. So I, I ran around submitting it to other editors I had contacts with. And someone advice took it. Nice. Which is good. Um, and they paid pretty well, which is good. I mean, I haven't seen the money yet. But the agreed amount was good. Nice. Helpful. For, this, for these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice to have your guest money covered. <laughs> and yes. So they ran the article that I'm, I'm talking about what I observed. And I was telling Kieran about this earlier. Like, what I did with writing that piece was not a personal essay expressing, like, my opinions about, you know, gun laws in Virginia and, like, gun rights. Right. But more my experience as a, like, observer who was not invested in the cause so much. And how it felt as someone who, like, knows that area. Again, I said, as I said, I think this is my part of town. Like, this is super familiar to me. And it just was a very different atmosphere from how it usually is. And so, you know, I'm trying to communicate, like, those differences. And this is what's called new journalism. It's, you know, the style of writing that Joan Didion kicked off in the 60s. I'm not comparing myself to her. I'm just saying that was like, you know, the, the school of thought that I was right. operating under. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. So how was it? Um, it was tense. It was stressful. Everybody I was with was joking about, like, how we were going to die. <laughs> like, 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 just like aware of it as mm-hmm. a possibility. You know, one of their team members... Um, Molly, who's an activist in Charlottesville, she's had a lot of death threats on her life because of her activism in Charlottesville. And so she had a friend who was pretty heavily armed walking around with her as her her bodyguard for the day. Roberts also had death threats, so he was wearing body armor. Um, I look, you know, unassuming enough that I, I, I wasn't super worried about being like, easily identifiable or like particularly a target so mm-hmm. i i didn't do any of those take any of those precautions but i stayed close with both of them and just kind of you know watched everything and i used my my you know cute skinny blonde femme superpower of just like being able to walk up to anybody and be like can you take a picture and like taking mm-hmm. a picture and you know putting on that like saccharine sweet voice and 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 playing that role and it worked and I got a lot of photos um you know people I saw all sorts of people there like um it was largely white but there were other people there too um other people of color and there was a real interesting divide in terms of like who was aware of like the more extreme, you know, elements mm-hmm. of this. There were a lot of people who were just there because they like guns and like, that's it. 
Wow. And yeah, they were just shocking to me. (laughs) No, there were a lot of those just like good old boys who were just like, I'm not racist. I just like guns. And like, I think this is, you know, I don't want them to take my guns. But, you know, the, you have to look at like the language, the semantics and where it came from and like who was helping organize it. And if you've been following any of the stories about the arrest of the base, mm-hmm. um, which is literally just a translation of Al Qaeda into English, like it's so stupid. They're so, so uncreative. Oh my God. Like wow. this is my, Robert was joking about this. It's like the biggest beef we have with fascists is how uncreative they are. Yeah. There's no imagination. No, no, so, not at all. So the base, the base has had, I think, a total of seven members arrested at this point on like no knock F- F- FBI early morning, like get out of bed, we're arresting you, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for cause, like, right. you know, they were planning, they were planning acts of terrorism that day, and because they got intercepted in advance and arrested the day before day of a couple days leading up to nothing happened Mm -hmm. which is really good but again like it was so tense because you knew what could happen right if if someone did something stupid and nobody did anything stupid thankfully yeah i i remember just sort of being like worried like watching richmond be like all right we're having metal detectors and we're corralling people into this like one area and i was like if one like hothead goes off everything's oh fucked. no i mean i as i i was wondering so like i don't know if you guys are familiar with the term kettling but it's it's like a a right control tactic um of like shoving people into a like compressed area mm-hmm. so they don't have as much ability to like flee or or move and the shape of the like protective barriers and the like outline of like how you know the the pathways set up for the protest were um it created some kettling situations and i heard people on the outside fringes of that be like don't go in there you know if you go in there they'll like they're gonna close up that area with cops and confiscate everybody's guns ah like I was wondering that, if that would happen, if that's what people were That doing. was the assumption. That was what they were assuming that Northam was planning, like Governor Governor Ralph Northam, mm-hmm. the Democratic governor here in Virginia. Yeah, it was, you know, it's just a lot of, of fear on both sides. And it's just, I don't know. I, I still haven't quite finished decompressing from all of it. It was, it, I mean, you saw, I like yeah. was giving people like passwords and access to things. And like, if I get arrested, this is what I need to know, like, or need to do. Like I, you know, if I die, here's all my information so that you can have access to things and like, you know, what to do with what, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I wasn't, you know, going all in on it, but I was covering my bases. Yeah. Because Virginia is still really like shaken by the Heather Hayer stuff. Like, so earlier, uh, also this week, I went to Charlottesville and saw Roxanne Gay give a talk for their MLK Week celebrations at UVA. And she 
like retold in summary, like part of her talk, the day, like the Unite the Right protest narrative and Heather Hare's death at the end of it. And she like, it was just facts. She was just telling facts about what happened, but she was telling it to a room that had lived it. Uh, And you could feel everyone in the room stop breathing. Yeah. Not because it was, you know, dramatically told in a way that was making you feel suspense. Right. It was like, it was a PTSD, like everybody just froze Mm -hmm. moment because it was like. Thanks for reminding me of this thing that I survived. Right, right, right. And and the rest of Virginia is just a little bit on edge because of that. Yeah. Like, not nearly as bad as that, but, like, that's that's what's underlying this, like, paralyzation in, ter- in the face of this, where it's just, like, we're going to, like, lie down and play possum and, like, hope you'll leave. Yeah. You. Yeah. So it was a lot. Um, yeah. It's a, re- a lot of really stupid gun etiquette. Oh my god! Yeah, some of the pictures you posted, I was just like, <laughs> "What are you thinking?" Like, no, like, no. I haven't had a concealed carry like safety course, but I've like, I've shot. I know right. how to handle a gun, and I know how you don't handle a gun. And a lot of people were doing it how you don't handle yeah. a gun. It was like I was shocked. I saw this like guy with this little kid there and i was like oh my god why would you bring a kid to this protest where there's like guns everywhere guns lying on the ground outside the porta potties yeah like and he was like well i believe we're safe people i mean i didn't i didn't get into it that directly with him i was just like hey what you know i'm just super curious i haven't seen many kids here like what's your rationale (laughs) in bringing a kid here i'm just just documenting things and he was like i believe we're safe people and i was so mad i just you know I can vent about this here, but I couldn't there. Yeah. So a lot of this is just like stored up angst. There. And the Antifa, like local Antifa, like s- disengaged from any like obvious protesting. And they, they had like civilian medics placed throughout the card crowd taking shifts mm-hmm. on a schedule. And they had like safe house spaces that were stocked with medical supplies in case something happened. It's just like, yeah, we, we, everybody was taking this deadly seriously. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah. Which is good. I guess like it's, it's better. I shouldn't have to, but right. Like (laughs) if it's going to be this way, having medic stations is a very good idea. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like what Sunday, Monday, early this that week. That was Monday. That was Monday. Yeah, that was Monday, and then my post went up on Thursday morning, Thursday. Yeah, or Wednesday. Oh my god, I'm so tired. Yeah, no, it was Wednesday. So I wrote it Tuesday, went up Wednesday. I had a stupid viral tweet on Thursday. I saw Roxanne Gay on Thursday, Friday. I had one of my other gigs, and and then yesterday I just slept. Smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a week. It's been a week. Well, and the other thing that happened Wednesday, which is the thing that ate me alive. Yeah. So I like dipped into this for like a quick second and did a little writing and then I was burned out. So you take it away. Yeah. So uh, in Florida this week, um, there are two identical bills. 
Remind people that you are from Florida right. here. Yeah, so I grew up in Florida. I grew up in Collier County. Um, I lived there until I was 14. So I'm, I'm intimately familiar with Florida homeschooling and all of the things. And yeah, mm-hmm. so Florida, the House and the Senate both have similar bills that are parental rights amendment bills. HCLDA is also involved with the parental rights organizing. Well, it's like pretty <laughs> much like staff alum from HSLDA have moved into the parentalrights.org yeah. space. So parentalrights.org, I, and I don't know why they made a website URL, the title of their organization, right. but whatever. But um, they, they don't know how to internet. Yeah. Are they a nonprofit or a lobbying group? Because I forget, forget the way they classified themselves. I feel like. I think it's um, a lobbying group. They're a lobbying group. Well, they kind of have to be considering that's their whole stick. Like Right. So what they've done is they've gotten, they've been pushing this um, like constitutional amendment to state constitutions. Right. In favor of parental rights. Yeah. Over the last, I, what did they start in like 2008, 2006? Yeah, it was like I'm gonna find out now because I got their website up. And they passed it in a bunch of states. Like Virginia has a parental rights amendment on the Constitution, and and fundamentally, what it does is it like creates a, a power disbalance, imbalance between the parents and children. So like. Right parental responsibilities are not defined it's only parental rights in terms of power and right. control so yeah. there was their obligation to their children is not codified it's just what other people can't tell them not to do to their kids right yeah the entire the entire bill uh hb 1059 and sb 1634 3416 i don't remember um the, the basically strips children of their rights to like have their own identity and right this one goes a lot further this one goes a lot further than your standard parental rights amendment yeah yeah so the florida one i'm not gonna read all of it because it's 12 pages of horror and awfulness but some of the like bits that really get to the the heart of the bill um Mm -hmm is so like one is in section four which says the florida statute blah 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 is created to read infringement of parental rights the state and any of its political subdivisions any government any other governmental entity i can totally read right now um (laughs) any other and or any other institution may not infringe on the fundamental rights of a parent to direct the upbringing education health care and mental health of his or her minor child um without like demonstrating there's a compelling action that the state needs to be involved in so it it basically like the florida government cannot interfere with any decision that a parent makes for Mm -hmm. their child which means that like so it includes it includes like upbringing education healthcare, and mental health and it specifically like is targeting queer trans and disabled children like you cannot there's this whole other section um in the bill that deals specifically with healthcare, and mm-hmm. doctors 
are not allowed to treat the children mm-hmm. without written consent from the parent. The parent mm-hmm. has access to, like, there is no doctor-patient confidentiality if you're a minor. There is no yes, counselor confidentiality if you're a minor. There is no, like, school confidentiality if you're a minor. One of the things in Section 5 that it secures for the parents is including but not limited to all of the following rights of a parent of a minor in the state is directing the education, directing the upbringing. And that goes through like the ability to withdraw a minor child from any portion of the sc- of the school's uh of the school district's comprehensive health education required under blah 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 as it relates to sex education or instruction in acquired immune deficiency or any instruction regarding sexuality so like right. a so parent this is, can this remove is a- their child from sex ed from mm-hmm. like science classes that teach evolution if they don't Mm -hmm. like it and they are allowed to do that they are allowed to limit and have a say over what their kid can and cannot learn right so what it comes down to is this is using the parental rights amendment strategy to target trans kids and the children of anti-vaxxers to like allow their parents to control everything about their health practices and education and it fundamentally erodes rights like protective rights for all children yeah. in the state of Florida yeah. across the board every child is now or will be at risk if these bills get passed because they completely eradicate every right like right. so even- this, this is also like a this is also like destroying like like the ability for a child to be like hey like my parents molesting me like cuz the right. parent will never be required to leave the 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 examining room from the doctor. Like, yep. yeah. everything is just out the window. And, and if a child confides in a teacher or joins a school club, the parent right. has to know. Like, right. Or the parent has the right to demand to know. Right. And, and then that information has to be provided. So closeted kids have no adult that they can turn to to talk mm-hmm. about things because – the other thing about Florida is every adult is a mandatory reporter. But so like this basically dismantles the ability to be a mandatory reporter. Yeah. Yeah. And and like they they like your parent has a right to ask for everything anyone knows about you and get that information and stop uh, whatever. Like if you're a minor uh, and you want to get a vaccine and your parents don't want you to get a vaccine, you can't get the vaccine. Right. Like they they completely said that parents can choose whether or not to immunize their children. Like it's just it's so mind-bogglingly bad and it targets the kids who are already at risk. Yeah. And if you're a homeschooled student like I was in Florida, one like the law is not that protective, but because the state cannot infringe or interfere with the way your parent decides to educate you, that means parents like mine, who decided that all I ever needed to know was how to balance a fucking checkbook, <laughs> can get away with it. They can get away with educational deprivation. Like this, and don't forget how to this. how to bulk how to bulk purchase things from Costco and make casseroles. Come on, right? Yeah. So like. 
your parents. Your education had two parts to it, not just one. Yes, that's that's true. Also, the grocery shopping. <laughs> but like, that will be legal under this bill. There will be no recourse. There will be no way for a child to be like, I want to like actually learn math. They can't go to anyone and demand to learn math because their parents have the final say. Right. And so even if, okay, like you would think that people who are a little bit like on the fence about like certain progressive uh, viewpoints on, on things politically would see through this bill and be like, well, even if I disagree with these things, this is kind of dangerous in X, Y, Z other ways. But nobody seems to be seeing through it and everybody's just like swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. Um, What was the... So it got voted out of the education committee in the House at what? Like 12 to 3? It was... um, Yeah. And some of those were, it was like two Democrats. Yeah, so there's like five Democrats on the entire 18-person committee. Mm -hmm. And it only got three no votes. So it passed through the first committee. And now it goes on to another committee. I'm not sure which. Right, and there's a duplicate bill that's being in the Senate. And did that that also get passed out of committee? That hasn't had a hearing yet. Okay. So that's upcoming. So, So it's... It's still possible for this to get killed, but basically if you're in Florida or you know someone in Florida, get them to call yeah. and tell them to ask their, their representative to vote against this because this is crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, there's no way something, this this blanket should be allowed to get through. No, it's, it is just like... Like it's it's twelve pages, and every page just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And like, I like it's literally like basically Wednesday. What I did was I spent twelve hours organizing around this from like nine in the morning to nine at night, and like. Okay, so let's talk about that process and like what CREG does when something like this comes up. Yeah. So when when we found out about it on on Wednesday, because it had been brought to the floor on on Tuesday um, mm-hmm. or published or whatever, and then they had a committee hearing on Thursday. So Wednesday, we were like, you have oh, a day to deal with this. Yeah, this is we have one day to do all of the work to like write a press release so people know what the fuck is happening mm-hmm. um, to like write some testimony to send in. So I'm, I'm a Floridian. We have two other board members who are Floridians um, or were at some point. And like, so we, we put our testimony together. We, we researched the bill. We looked into it. We, tried to figure out what the fuck it was trying to do, which is basically take away every right from every children and give it to the parents, which is just what fucking Michael Smith and Mike Ferris want. <laughs> and, and like, I like reading the bill is literally like reading the part in like the courtship books where it was like, well, like, like Michael Smith's story, uh, like his daughter's story was basically like, well, children belong to the parents until they get married and then if you're a woman you belong to your husband and if you're a man then you belong to yourself and this is basically 
codifying that ideology. So, uh, yeah, so what, what I did, because I'm the director of outreach now, is I rallied a bunch of volunteers to help write and proofread the press release to help get, like, share things on Twitter and mm-hmm. read through and, and understand the the bill text. To make sure um, we weren't missing anything. Yeah. yeah, to make sure we weren't missing stuff. I mean, this is pretty standard organizing procedure here. Yeah. Yeah, it's just we only had one day to do it um, to try to rally all this together. And Mm -hmm. I also made, like, a page to, like, direct people to calling the education committee folks Mm -hmm. and just get a bunch of people to, like, call and email and, and do things before the committee hearing so they at least know there's, like, opposition to it. So that that was what I spent all of my Wednesday doing. And that was a real hard push because it the these bills are like literally legalizing all of the tactics that my parents used to both abuse me and deprive me of education. So this yeah. was like fighting the foundation of all of my trauma for 12 hours. So I have been <sighs> like dead for three days honestly trying to like recover from that push well it's just, it's deeply triggering it is it is and then it's like to top it all well, off. And, and and just and just like <laughs> hang on yeah just as a note for our listeners if you have the ability to volunteer your time for an organization that like works on an issue that you're passionate about but that you don't have any personal trauma around you will enable people like Kieran to supervise this kind of process without actually having to re-excavate that trauma thoroughly. Yeah. Because a lot of the people who are organizing for these kinds of orgs are people who have lived through it firsthand. And so it becomes real, like a real emotional labor um, catch-22 where it's like you're putting in this thing because you care about it, but this is also the thing that destroyed you. Right. And, and likes to resurface occasionally. Right. And so it's it becomes very difficult to sustain a quality level of engagement with these topics because you're constantly getting triggered. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, I took off Thursday because I knew I was going to crash and I started feeling the crash at like 10 on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that it passed by a majority through the education committee and that was like mildly devastating like i didn't i didn't think we would well, get the it makeup stopped. of that committee we weren't going to stop it but yeah, yeah we can, it can it can get stopped on the floor yeah so you know uh, that was sort of irritating because it it was just well and, and all of the arguments because we had um one of the board members watching and kind of like uh live posting in slack about it Every Mm -hmm. argument, like a lot of the arguments, maybe not every argument, in favor of the bill was directed at cis adults having a problem with the concept of their children learning that trans people exist and maybe also being trans themselves. And it's just, it's so, so horrifying and gross. And it was just sort of like one of those things where it's like, cool, my home state wants to make it a crime 
for a child who is trans or queer to exist and also for adults to exist. There's like four other bills on the books right now that are specifically targeting like queer and trans adults and in, in access to care. So yeah. a lot of bullshit is happening on like many levels of trauma for me. It's so fucked up. It's yeah. so intense. So that was that was what I did on Wednesday and then I've spent all of the days since trying to like get out of that like fight freeze situation which is kind of my trauma response mm-hmm. of course right so. and and mine has been like you know the sustained level of hypervigilance up until yesterday when I just completely fell apart which yeah is good because <laughs> I, I needed and I was like this has got to stop soon like I am way too amped up yeah yeah um, I'm so waiting I finally for crashed which yeah. is good yeah my crashing has come with hypervigilance and I'm just like I just need that to like stop for 10 seconds right and guys if you're just like new to the show or new to us like this is a symptom of complex ptsd so that's what we're describing here is like how complex ptsd affects our day-to-day functioning and how we're you know responding to the things we're engaging yeah so that's also like been cptsd interacts with my ability to like do work that pays and hold a job and stuff so I've had a bunch of anxiety about that and then with the crash it's just sort of like built of like well I started like catastrophizing because that's what happens when you have CPTSD and you have anxiety about like being able to retain a job because CPTSD is also like really fucking debilitating so that's it's been it's been a like fun mental roller coaster so if you want to like help me get through that my dear friends who are listening (laughs) <laughs> Go check out my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Kiri and uh, K-I-E-R-Y and throw some money my way so I can, like, buy some time to recover again while I'm job hunting. It's rough. It's really rough. Yeah. But it, this all kind of dovetails nicely into the other thing that happened this week. <laughs> yeah. That okay, we wanted so, to talk so about. Like- <laughs> oh, it's so good! Like the jokes just write themselves. Oh my like, god! And the, uh, like, I'll just pause. What I just sounded like is basically how I sounded all day at the rally, where it was just like I'd look at something, I'd observe something, and I'd just be like, "Wait, what?" And then I wouldn't be able to like stop from like chuckling about it because it's like, uh, obvious displays of illogic or incompetence or or just I don't know there were a lot of things that were ridiculous so uh this is this is just like the next level of that where it's like it leaves the realm of like absurd humor and becomes science fiction plus absurd humor (laughs) right (laughs) okay so you guys may have seen this tweet going around it was a little video clip from the white house spiritual advisor Paula White, where she is leading, it, those those who know will know, like, it's a revival service, like, that's what it is yeah. supposed to be, which is, like, a hyper-Pentecostal, like, um, high-energy prayer and worship service that can be anything from, you know, a, a meager hour to a sprawling, like, six to eight hours of just, like, uh praying in tongues and spontaneous prophecy and right. like 
just loud, loud energy. Being slain in the spirit. Yeah, high energy, like emoting about God and whatever's going on. Right. And those who have experienced this will like talk about how it can feel trans-like or a little bit hallucinogenic. It's like, it's a very, like you, there's an adrenaline rush involved and like there's a group, like crowd mentality that like, you know, kind of resembles mob mentality in a little bit. Like it's the same kind of like homogenized, amplified reverberations within yeah. a group of, of like whatever anyone is feeling. It's just like, and like moving my hands in a vibrating motion. It's just like, it reverberates throughout the room. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about things she's binding and praying against, which we'll explain. And the end of the clip where she's like, basically saying, asking God to end all satanic pregnancies. Yes. Which has been really confusing for a lot of people. Well, because um, the March for Life was on the 22nd. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was and the March for Life was on, on the 24th. Fifth, the twenty fourth. Yeah. It was yesterday because yeah. it was a Saturday, but um, but the Roby Wade anniversary was on the twenty second. So there's like this weird like question in terms of the rhetoric where it's like, wait a second, what does she mean? Right? <laughs> Are they not pro life? What is yeah. being said here? This is a fascinating turn of events. Should we just play the turn. clip before yes. we? Yeah, we'll play the clip. Do you, you want to do that? Yeah. We interrupt that which has been deployed to hurt the church in this season. That which has been deployed to hurt this nation in the name of Jesus. Forgive us for our sins. Come on, I need you guys to pray. We cancel every surprise from the witchcraft in the marine kingdom. Any hex, any spell, any witchcraft, any spirit of control, any Jezebel, anything that the enemy desires through, through spells, through witchcraft through any way that is manipulation, demonic manipulation, we curse that. We break it according to the word of God in the name of Jesus. We come against the marine kingdom. We come against the animal kingdom. Any The woman that rides upon the waters, we break the power in the name of Jesus. And we declare that any strange winds, any strange winds that have been sent to hurt the church, sent against this nation, sent against our president, sent against myself, sent against others, we break it by the the superior blood of Jesus right now in the name of Jesus we arrest every infirmity affliction fatigue weariness weakness fear sickness any self-righteousness any self-serving action God let pride fall let pride fall let pride fall let pride fall in the name of Jesus we command all satanic pregnancies to miscarry right now we declare that anything that's been conceived in satanic wombs that it'll miss carry it will not be able to carry forth any plan of destruction any plan of harm all right so that okay. whole that whole speech prayer thing that happened right uh, so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna read this thread from this guy brandon smee he according to his bio is a divinity student at princeton theological seminary an episcopalian um, he says, as an ex-charismatic and now Episcopal seminarian and seeing this float around my timeline with a lot of confusion, I want to offer a guide to the perplexed. A. Marine and animal kingdoms, what the fuck? To get this part, you have to understand a teaching called Word of Faith. It's related to the so-called Law of Attraction. Among neo-charismatics, like Paula White, this teaching says that declaring things with faith will make them come. And... 
this like he's not getting into this but i'll just note here that this connects to her relationship with td jakes and the prosperity her you know reputation as a prosperity gospel preacher mm-hmm. okay let's keep going so let's say you've been declaring that you'll get out of debt or your kids will be christian or trump will succeed politically but you don't see it happening in this case the understanding is that your faith declaration is being counted by the demonic so to counter the demonic you engage in what's called spiritual warfare, where you name the spirits and use sources of authority to command them to stop. Some neo-charismatics teach that these spirits take on metaphoric qualities from the natural world. For an example, an octopus spirit might cling to you, or a snake spirit might keep you on the ground or make you feel cold-blooded. She's also based in Florida, where praying against marine spirits is common. It comes from a broader belief that the whole world is demonized. Um, And again, a, a footnote on that, if you want to see an example of that Randy Alcorn's crazy novels and Frank Brady's crazy novels will be a pretty good example of like what that looks like in someone's imagination. Mm-hmm. Satanic pregnancies. What the fuck? I am 90% sure she's not referencing a real pregnancy as opaque and unpastoral as her language is. There is this whole question for me about what pastoral language is, but um, you know, yeah, I'll just leave my, my poetic semantics out of here. Um, <laughs> Because that's not... Anyway. Um, for neo-charismatics, people wittingly and unwittingly work with the demonic through sin, the occult, and lack of faith. They call it witchcraft. So what she's trying to invoke God... So when she's trying to invoke God to break spells and, quote, satanic pregnancies, unquote, what she is thinking is that a small number of actual Satanists and a larger number of everyday sinners like me are sites where the demonic could be growing and take form like a pregnancy. I would say, like, a tumor, and then I would be like pregnancies and tumors and then I would make jokes about how <laughs> that's actually you know not pro life but anyway yeah um <laughs> still regardless she's asking that demonic plans for America will stop in their tracks what are these plans precisely the equality of LGBT plus people women's rights and the immigration of non-protestant people to the U.S. White and her peers believe that liberal and leftist politics result from demonic deception and lead to sin. What she is doing then is still sinister in a way. She is saying that we, quote, the left, are demon-possessed and need to be exercised. See, how do we respond? One, don't call her demon-possessed. This plays into their tropes. Concedes their language, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, two, respond with a positive affirmation of how God works through rather than against LGBT plus people, women, especially BIPOC women and non-white, non-white Americans. Three, offer an alternative. These groups thrive on attention and grow more certain the more persecuted they feel. Instead, we should offer people looking for hope and meaning, meaning alternatives that are not exploitative or patently false like whites. Simply, let's care for people. So I want like, to take some time to like unpack who Paula White is and get into that yes. a little bit. But first I want to tell a story um, that maybe will explain this a little bit for you guys. So if you recall, I did this like charismatic worship dance troupe for all of high school. Mm-hmm. And we have an episode where my friend Rami comes in and talks about what that was like. And, and it was a very weird environment. And the woman who, read, who ran it was very influenced by this kind of theology. Now, she attended a Presbyterian church, so I'm not sure how that by you know, like those things went together, but this was her like ideological connection. And there was this trip that she was trying to get us to go on as a dance troupe, as a worship dance troupe. 
where we would go and tour and dance in orphanages in Romania as a mission strip, like as a dance troupe, which like <laughs> I'm cringing so much just saying it. Oh yeah, I'm like, well, <sighs> I guess that's how you could do that. Yeah, it's, it's such a, it's so misguided, which is a really benign way of describing that, but <laughs> way too generous. But there were all these complications, all these logistical problems that started coming up, like trying to raise money for it. Like that we had a bus that we would tour on and the bus ha- like needed a new engine. And so that like cleaned out some of our, our savings for this trip. But it was like maybe like $3,000 or something for a new engine. And so, you know, that cleared out a chunk of money that we had already raised for this trip. Right. And I wasn't really helping with the fundraising because I was that even then, even as like, invested in this troop I was uh, I was not invested in this trip mm-hmm. and I was just a little like I roll this is not a good idea right I didn't have words to articulate why I was just like eh, I don't know <laughs> um so fundraising's not going great there's like problems with trying to get visas like the mm. contacts on the other side are starting to be flaky we're getting closer and closer and closer to it, and like we're a month out, and like it's just not come together. It just it has not come together. And she just comes in one morning to rehearsal, and she sits us down, and she's like, "We're gonna basically blow off rehearsal today, and we're gonna do spiritual warfare so that this can happen because clearly the devil is trying to prevent this, which means that God really wants us to do it, which means that we need to like bind all of the opposition so that we can make this happen." Right. And it Definitely was, not a sign you shouldn't be going. The opposition, like all the difficulties, were reinforcing to her that sh- we needed to do this. Yep. And, you know, this is kind of like the, like, martyr complex that we've talked about before with, like, if the world's against you, it proves that you're doing things God's way. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and that mindset just, like, permeated this whole process and it was not just the one day that she had us do that it was like a couple like the like three weeks in a row or something where Whoa. it was just like and I was just not having it and I just kind of left and found excuses to get out of it or do other things but mm-hmm. it was it was intense and the way she prayed about it was very much like what Paul White is doing in this video um you know binding demonic spirits in the embassy Right. Like, you know, binding, like, opposition to fundraising, asking for God to, like, you know, put it on people's hearts to give, like, significant donations toward this. Like, Mm -hmm. and it got as, like, florid and, like, fantastic as what she's describing. It really did. And so that's an example, like, what this looks like in real life. Like, this is kind of a weird, isolated event that got, like, cut you know, it's a minute and a half. Like, that's, like, yeah, probably a five-hour service. There's probably oh, a yeah. more that was said. Yeah. Um, and so it's, very, it's a very narrow slice of this larger phenomenon that's just... It's not mainstream, but it's not small either. Right. And um, Paula White and her, her, her collective people who agree with her and practice faith like her, like, they have been 
condemned as heretics by a lot of the mainstream evangelical community. Not because of this, but because of their belief on the Trinity, which is yeah, a whole different thing. Yeah. What, what is that? Because that was surprising to me. Okay. Okay. So people like the Southern Baptists and the, I think the Presbyterians like um, have condemned them for being heretical because what they believe is in oneness Pentecostalism, which is basically saying that the Trinity is like God is one being manifesting in three different ways. And that is what the Trinity is. And that's a, like what's considered a, like a classic and ancient heresy. Mm-hmm. Like Right, because God is actually... Three beings. Three separate once. beings that are the one being at the same time. Right. Right. That's it's the, just, that's it's the just orthodox. That's the orthodox yeah. understanding of the Trinity. So because of that, they've been denounced as heretics, which is so funny because that's like the least of their problems. Right. But you know, it's also like the foundation of most Protestant churches. Right. So she's considers herself to be a mentee of T.D. Jakes, who is a famous, like, prosperity gospel mm-hmm. pastor to, like, televangelist. She has been married a couple times. One was a, another big pastor. She had an affair with Benny Hinn, who, if you know who he is, is a Ew. whole fucked up show. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Look. Like, I just, it's, it's, it's related to fundamentalist or like yeah fundamentalist politics on israel like that's really what it comes down to is i think their connection is there yeah but it was also interesting is that she and a, a number of her peers in this world are the subject of a like an incompleted senate inquiry into um like what they're doing with their tax exempt status because their financials are not squeaky squeaky clean and it seems to be that money is going places that it shouldn't mm-hmm. and since they're not playing paying taxes right like they they may be you know practicing tax fraud and be in violation of various you a know, lot of like things their, their their nonprofit status like yeah they should lose their their nonprofit status and it's never been finished because they haven't complied with the request for their t- their records so like oh. she in particular has not handed her tax records over to be huh. looked at. Wonder where I've heard huh. that before. Huh. Yeah. Also, so, like, how long has she huh. known Donald Trump? Hmm. Since two thousand two. Hmm. Uh, James huh. Dobson credits her with getting him saved. Wow. So, wow. there's a birds of a there's feather. A there's a history. What did you see when you watched that clip? A lot. So, like, it reminded me of, of my parents practicing spiritual warfare because they were also the type who, like, well, and, like, in the, in the cult that we were in, too, is where my parents learned about that kind of level of spiritual warfare and adopted that kind of ideology where like you name the thing that you want in faith and you have to like break all of the 
chains and devil's plans and whatever. Like, they were very, very into that whole idea. Mm -hmm. And they learned that from the Cleansing Stream cult, which was all about demon possession and spiritual warfare. So that tracks, I guess. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't. I didn't remember um, the being against like the marine kingdom and the animal kingdom and why those are even separate. My parents did not get that specific into the various types of places where demons come from. Right. Um, <laughs> but they were very much like, oh, well, any kind of sin like gives satan a, a foothold in your life right can, right right like, so like if something's going wrong in your life you're supposed to examine to see if there's any sin that you haven't like confessed or like looked right. at yep because that will be that will be like what's stopping you from being successful in x way yeah which, which is why this is called prosperity gospel stuff yeah which is really funny because that was literally what i was talking about in therapy this week and then like all this happens and i'm just like well, this really? ties into, like, the Dave Ramsey stuff, too. Like, this is, yeah. like, this is one of the underlying subtexts to his whole thing is, like, you know, if you're not, if you're debt-free, then you'll be financially successful because debt is a sin. Like, right. And as long <laughs> like, as he's you not have say- he's not life. saying it, but he's saying it. Yeah. Yeah. It is not, it is not a jump to get there. Like, I'm you basically just finish that sentence in your head. It's like, yeah, obviously this is why. It's coded. It's just coded. Yeah. And so it's simultaneously like gives you permission to make bad decisions and also like it it like makes it something you can control, but also is something that isn't necessarily your fault, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting like line to walk. Mm hmm. Because if you're, if you're sinning, then like, it's on you to stop sinning and fix it. But also like, you're fallible, so you're you're going to sin, and like it it could easily just be God testing you, like Job. So like, you never know. It's not necessarily based on choices you make it's like mm-hmm. well maybe this hardship that you're going through is just god trying to test you or the devil trying to tempt you and you you can't ever find out which it is so you know <laughs> right it's whatever right. suits you best at the time all of the above yeah yeah and and this is this means that it gives these pastors a real easy like in for manipulating people because they can be like oh well you didn't even notice the sin so like you got to work on this and like they can derail yeah like uh any signs of like independent thinking or whatever just by like refocusing yeah like the conversation on these kinds of things yeah it's super predatory that's incredibly predatory yeah so that's our take on that Lol, lol, lol. This has been a weird week. This is such it's a weird so weird. Week. It's been such a weird week. Yeah, but she's not like she doesn't think she's actually calling for abortion. 
No, I don't think she is, and I don't think she actually, like, I think she's just calling for, like, anything that has, has, like he said in that thread, like, anything that has a foothold that's, like, growing. Like, again, referencing, like, Peretti and, and, uh, Randy Elkhorn books. Yeah. Like, like, those characters would, like, like, kind of have a demon that was growing in strength inside them in, Mm -hmm. like, spiritually speaking in terms of like in their psychic presence i mean right this also connects to um c.s lewis's story in the great divorce where there's this character who's this wife and she's very beatific and she's very marion um and she has this husband who is this shriveled up little troll of a person talking through this larger like animated like alternate self that is has him on the leash and the more vitriol this little man spills through this like animus the smaller he gets and he eventually disappears and that image is 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 kind of that what she's referring to is like yeah. you're growing you're developing you're feeding this like this sinful self right and a certain vice has latched onto you and is eventually going to take you over. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, or I mean, maybe she just watched Alien last week. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you really you can never <laughs> tell. You know, maybe they just took some sci fi too much to heart, or. You never can tell yeah. with bees. Yeah. So, anyway, that's a, that's a whole thing. Hopefully. Helps to have a little bit more context around spiritual warfare for the things that Paula White says, because that's her whole deal. Right. And then, but that also gives you like a, a an insight into what the president's mindset is with yeah. these kinds of things. Yeah. Where he probably he probably sees the impeachment process as like a sign that he's like chosen by God and doing the right thing. Oh, like if I'm he's sure. sincere and if he's sincere in his belief in this in any way, which I highly doubt, but if he is yeah. This is what's this is what's going on in his head. At the very least, I'm sure this is what his faith council is telling him. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, send us your questions if you have a, um, a story or a topic you'd love to have us cover. Something that caught your attention. Um, we'll try to get back to a more <laughs> steady, regular weekly schedule here. Yeah. I think I think we'll be in a good position to keep doing that. Yeah, now that there's less of two things happening at once. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. 2020 is to be a ride. Yeah. The world's ending. It's the fine. W- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support. Like, as Karen expressed earlier, like, there's a lot of emotional labor that goes into these kinds of things. And um, talking about this stuff on this podcast does dredge up a lot but we feel it's it's valuable and important research and or research or information and you guys seem to to resonate with that so thank you for your support and your investment in our perspective and you know unpacking of what's going on in all these different ways yeah we can't do this without you actually so we appreciate it if Mm -hmm. you are not yet on our Patreon, you should be. You can join for as little as a dollar a month and you get the episodes out a couple days early. 
And we're um, working on transcribing those, um, uh, you know, at the first of the month is when cards get uh, charged and we're putting aside a big chunk of what we're getting every month toward transcribing our back yes. um, archive so that we'll have like accessible files for everybody because that's been something that we've neglected and it feels very important to us. Yeah. It's much better this way. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about having transcripts for everything. It's It's been our goal since the start. So yeah. support us No, we're getting Patreon. solvent enough to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can actually start affording that now. Uh, mm-hmm. it, our Patreon is patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. You can also email us questions at kitchen table cult at gmail.com. And hopefully uh next week will be less chaotic and we will see you again soon (laughs) the music on this episode is by the band the heavens from the album stanazo thanks to them for sharing that with us and as always thank you dave for editing this together and taking out all of the things that are easier than us taking them out when we say things wrong. All the time, so I'm the bone to, to, to chew on loudly in the background. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Share, like, subscribe all of on all of the places and all the things. And we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.